It's the season of joy, right? Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. So happy to see you here with us. Um, welcome on this uh, day, the Sunday, I guess, a week before Christmas is here. We're very, very close. Glad to see all of you today. Um, today, I do want to let you know that uh, we have started a, a new way to do uh, text messages to the church. And um, some of you have probably gotten those messages recently, and I've tried to explain that. But if you're a guest today, we would love to connect with you. I have a QR code here. You can just scan that code, and uh, it, it will automatically fill in the blank. Just send that in, and at the end of the service, we have a gift we'd love to give you. So on the way out, see somebody in the lobby, they can give you that gift. But uh, just want to connect with you in some way. Um, and if you are here and you're like, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. I'm not on any texting group. Scan that and just send us a text message. That'll automatically get it to the right place. And we'll make sure that you are, well, it, it's automated. It's pretty cool, right? So we'll make sure that that gets you added and you can take care of that. So is everybody having a good day today? Are you okay? Yeah, we're here together. Uh, it's warm in here. Yeah, um, happy that uh, it is warm, that we have those conveniences for that. Um, all right, so the time of Christmas, I guess you guys all know, is one of my very favorite things, and uh, I talk about it all the time. Speaking of that, tonight at our house, we're doing an open house, and I forgot to mention that. That same QR code, if you are curious, or you probably got a text message if you're already on there, uh, reminding you about that. If you want directions to our house, we're at 1,000 Fan and Drive, pretty easy. But if you forget, just uh, let me know or send a text message, and we'll make sure that you have that there, 1,000 Fan and Drive. Um, but it's uh, from 6 to 8, and um, we've let our neighbors know that we're going to have some people over. Uh, so, you know, if you come at 6, you don't have to stay till 8. I mean, nobody's going to kick you out, but at the same time, you know, just come, spend a little time, pop in, pop out. We have, uh, I, I made, I got to tell you guys, I made some peanut brittle last night, or yesterday, not last night, it was yesterday, and it was, it's the first time, and I love making peanut brittle, I make Christmas candies and cookies and stuff, it's fun for me, but I made peanut brittle, it's the first time that all of my batches turned out. You know, candy's a, a particular thing, and sometimes they don't turn out, this, it all turned out, I was so happy with that. Um, we've got some snacks and sandwiches and Rice Krispie treats and I don't know, all just different things. So, but you're all welcome, everybody. Probably not at the same time, you know, but you're all welcome. I don't know if you would all fit. Uh, we can try, but we'll see what happens. And you know, why do we do those things? This is what I want to talk about today. And Lucas mentioned it earlier about Emmanuel. Christmas is like the best time of the year. Like we love Christmas. We celebrate Christmas. It's been the top for 2,000 years. We've celebrated Christmas. You know, and it's just forget about the commercial frenzy. It's not about that. I mean, we, we do that and we buy gifts and we do get commercial and, you know, whatever. I'm not talking bad about those things, but there's a reason that we do those things. It's amazing. It's Christmas makes it utterly beyond comprehension. I'm going to talk about that as we move through here and try to explain that. It's, it's the reason we do all of these crazy things. We eat too much food, right? I'm telling you here about all the candy we're making and Butterfinger cookies, by the way. Have you ever had a Butterfinger cookie? 
Man, they're so good. Butterfinger cookies. Like, just all of the things that we do. We eat too much. We, we put lights everywhere. Everybody, we got lights on our house. Probably some of you have lights on your house. We put lights inside the house. We drag trees. Things that are supposed to be outside, we bring them inside. You know, we got trees here, and they're beautiful. Why do we do that? Something big and magnificent has happened. We buy presents for people that we see every day. Why do we do that? Like, we wrap those presents in the prettiest paper we can find only to destroy that paper. Right? Just put it in a Walmart sack and give it to me. Like, it's, it's okay. Um, but that's not what we do. I think whole forests disappear during this time of Christmas because we're wrapping all of these presents. All of this is just a feeble attempt for us to celebrate something somehow which is so incredibly amazing, so big, so vast, so unbelievable that we sometimes do these stupid things because we can't figure out a different way to do it. It's almost like pinch me because I might be sleeping or dreaming. And this is the crux of it. How do we come to grips with Emmanuel? How do we come to grips with Christ with us? God with us. The one who created the heavens. How do we wrap our mind around that? God, the creator of the universe, our creator, entering his creation. How do we grasp that? It's really hard to get the picture. I'm going to try to explain this to you. In fact, this has prompted me. As I was preparing for today, I was like, you know what? We need to really do a study on who God is and his creation. The depth of the person of God. Sounded like an old-time preacher there for a second. Of God. Like, you know, like, how do we decide and determine how big he is? It's, it's hard. We, we can't comprehend that. Uh, there's a guy named, he's a reverend, the Reverend Robert Evans. You guys, I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He, he's a full-time pastor, but his claim to fame is he's discovered, he's a, he's a part-time astronomer. And he's discovered more supernovas than anybody else. It's his claim to fame. I mean, we're talking about people with the big, magnificent telescopes. This pastor, the Reverend Robert Evans, has discovered more. I'm going to explain to you a supernova. Some of you probably know. I'm going to explain it the way I understand it. Um, it's, it's going to bring it down to a very small thing, if I can. So, simplify it. Uh, okay, a supernova is a, a shining, exploding star that can outshine an entire galaxy. Okay? That's what a supernova is. But how it explodes is an interesting phenomenon. A supernova, this, the, what happens with the star is that it begins to get brighter and brighter. And as it, and you guys understand this, uh, over, and we're talking about, they say, over millions of years. Over this time, its inner gravitational pull becomes so strong that the star implodes. And when it implodes, it creates a, um, 
a denseness that is so dense and heavy, it's gravity, that it even sucks in the light. Light can't even escape. It's an incredible thing. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. And the core of this is so heavy, imagine a million cannonballs squeezed into the size of a marble. That's the weight. That's how heavy it is. To help you understand that a little bit better, in that, like that marble, that thimble size, uh, the Reverend Evans says that just a teaspoonful, so that size, of this imploded star could weigh 90 billion kilograms. To bring it to our understanding of weight, that's 191 billion pounds. in a marble. That's the weight of the gravity and that's why the light can't escape it. Now, suddenly it will explode outward and its nuclear explosion is so much that it would make what happened at Hiroshima look like a firecracker. So big. It would be the equivalent of one trillion hydrogen bombs. Supernova. So, just trying to give you an understanding of this one star, this one phenomena, this one, this is one thing that's happening in space. But you don't need to worry about it because the nearest likely candidate of a supernova to us is a star called Betelgeuse. <laughs> I didn't name it. That was, that's a good name. Betelgeuse. Betelgeuse. And Betelgeuse is 50,000 light years away. You guys all understand light years, right? 50,000 light years. It would take you 50,000 years traveling the speed of light to get to this star. So that's to, to give us a context here. If you're traveling the speed of light, it would take you 1.3 seconds to get to the moon. And it would take you about eight and a half minutes to get to the sun. That's distances in space. Now, it's hard to fathom the God of creation, right? As we talk about these things, it's hard to fathom just who he is. We see pictures of books in our solar system and I know some students have already finished their finals and others are getting ready to take them. We're at that time of year, you probably don't wanna think about these things, but you see these books, you can't really gather the scale of them, all right? If the earth were the size of a pea, just picture that, the size of a pea, Jupiter would be three lengths of a football field away if Earth were the size of a pea. Pluto, which used to be a planet, got downgraded, not a planet anymore, would be, that's the furthest away, right? Two and a half kilometers if Earth were the size of a pea. It's almost a mile. That is so that's the distance of our own solar system here. Um, the nearest star outside our solar system is called Proxima Centauri. Okay? On this scale, that star is 16,000 kilometers away. If Earth was the size of a pea, Proxima Centauri, 16,000 kilometers away. There's no way that any human being is ever going to travel to the edge of our solar system. And imagine this, our solar system is just a dot on the size 
of the universe. Now, imagine who God is and understand why Emmanuel is such a phenomenal thing because that God made himself a baby, his son Jesus, and entered his creation for us. Does it, does it help you understand Emmanuel? I, I, I imagine, do you guys remember, this is going to date me a little bit, but um, the uh, Aladdin, the, the Disney movie Aladdin, that was so the cartoon so many years ago, and the genie, he talks about all of this power, and he gets all big into a little bitty little lamp. That's God. That's what he did. All of creation, right here for God became Emmanuel, God with us. So when we sing about Emmanuel, when we talk about Emmanuel, when we think about Emmanuel, we're talking about something that is hard to fathom. The one who flung the stars into space. The psalm says that he breathed the stars who spoke the separation of sky and earth, who announced light and life. The God of all wonders became a baby born of a virgin mother. I don't get it. I don't understand it. The Lord of all creation, the master of the universe, made himself utterly dependent on man formed into the womb of a virgin girl he came to us it's absolutely crazy that the reason he came here today that the reason God became a child became this baby followed a nine month gestation period the years needed to grow up in order to become a man so he could only lay his life down so I could be redeemed. <laughs> what? I hope I'm not the only one today. Y'all are quiet. Like, does it, or is your minds blown? Just can't imagine. Can't fathom. He did this to turn everything around that we have messed up in our life and history to give us a new beginning so that we could start over so that we could be fresh so that we could be redeemed so whether you believe in a million year creation or a seven day creation the fact is that God created and you look at this universe you cannot tell me that there was not a our God who was in charge of it all as I've studied it, and I can't imagine that anybody who studies it would ever believe that it just accidentally happened. I'll never believe it. And so when we talk about repenting, remember, turning our life from our old way towards a new way, and we get all indignant, who am I to need to repent? I'm great, I'm fine, I don't have any problems. Think about Emmanuel. <laughs> God with us. We should be on our knees, on our faces, groveling before him. Please forgive me. Please. I so if you want to talk about joy, 
which is today's theme. This God of the universe brings joy, should fill our hearts with gladness. And this season that we do all these crazy things and wrap gifts and give gifts and tear paper and bring trees indoors and put lights everywhere and celebrate with all of this exuberance and four days, I mean Sundays leading up. All of this happens because it brings such joy because we're trying to figure out a way to celebrate something that's so incredibly massive. But remember, we're not only celebrating that Jesus came as a baby so many years ago. We are looking forward in anticipation to the day he's going to come back. And this is what the, uh, the prophet Isaiah prophesied. Today's scripture, Isaiah 35, should be a QR code. You can scan that and that'll take you to the Bible notes. You can go to the church app and get the, the notes for today's message. Isaiah 35. 1 through 10, and I'm reading it out of the message today, so it's going to sound a little different to some of you, but I love the way this says it. The message translation says this, Wilderness and desert will sing joyously. The badlands will celebrate and flower like the crocus in spring, bursting into blossom, a symphony of song and color, mountain glories of Lebanon, a gift Awesome, caramel, stunning, sharing gifts, God's resplendent glory fully on display. God, awesome. God, majestic. Energize the limp hands. Strengthen the rubbery knees. Tell fearful souls, courage. Take heart, God is here, right here, on his way to put things right and redress all wrongs. He's on his way. He'll save you. Now, if you think, by the way, that there aren't people today who are crying out, Wondering who's going to save them. Hopeless and full of despair. This is our scripture for them because he has done that and it is through us. He's on his way. He will save you. Verse 5, blind eyes will be opened, deaf ears unstopped. Lame men and women will leap like deer. The voiceless break into song. Springs of water will burst out in the wilderness. Streams flow in the desert. Hot sands will become a cool oasis. Thirsty ground, a splashing fountain. Even lowly jackals will have water to drink. And barren grasslands flourish richly. There will be a highway called the Holy Road. No one rude or rebellious is permitted on this road. It is for God's people exclusively. Impossible to get lost on this road. Amen. Not even fools can get lost on it. No lions on this road. No dangerous wild animals. Nothing and no one dangerous or threatening. Only the redeemed will walk on it. The people God has ransomed will come back on this road. They'll sing as they make their way home to Zion. Unfading halos of joy encircling their heads. Welcomed home with gifts of joy and gladness as all sorrows and sighs scurry into the night. You know, we look forward to the day Jesus comes. And when he comes, as happened before, he will bring joy. So what I'm going to do today is we're going to look at this scripture and see how joy can be found because of Jesus coming. This is a prophecy of what will happen when he comes. And see, when he came the first time, he was bringing these things with him. And I want to look at the second time. So the first is this. Empty lives will be filled. We learn in verses 1 and 2. Empty lives will be filled. And here's one thing that I know is that we always have an excuse, right? Right? 
We always have an excuse. I mean, it could be we're fear of uh, failing keeps us from trying. Or if that's not it, maybe fear of success keeps you from doing your best. We get caught in one or the other. I didn't have time to do it. They didn't tell me about it. I didn't know. We always have an excuse. The thing is, is that Jesus challenges our excuses. In John chapter 8, you can read the story about the woman who was caught in adultery. She was caught in sin. The law says she had to die. For all intents and purposes, she was a goner. Jesus walked up to her and the people were ready to, to stone her. Or they brought, him, they brought her to him. But the people were ready to stone her. And the law said they could have. She was lost and I imagine there, I don't know what I'm going to do. This is a horrible day. But Jesus, he forgave her. And then he told her, this is one thing I love about when Jesus does anything for anybody, you'll read it. He tells her in this case, go now and leave your life of sin. Go and sin no more. He never leaves you where he found you. In that excuse-laden way of living, he sends you on with hope and a future. Matthew the tax collector, read about it in Matthew 9. They were generally corrupt people. Everybody saw Jesus with Matthew, the tax collector, and they began to talk about it. Ooh, Jesus, look what he's doing. Look who he's hanging out with. But Jesus took Matthew's excuses away. I imagine Matthew would say, all those religious, they're all hypocrites. I don't want to hang out with them. I'm going to do what I want to do. Some of you have maybe called religious people hypocrites. Maybe it's been said about you. I don't know. But Jesus offered him a chance to see what following Jesus, what being a Christian, what following God was all about. To discover a purpose for his life. Challenges our excuses. Verse 3, he talks about the weak being made strong. One thing that I've learned, I, I believe that weak behavior is learned. I think we learn weak behavior. I'm going to flip that though because in the kingdom of God everything's backwards, right? So what is weak behavior in the kingdom of God is looking out for ourselves. If we don't have it, take it or we're never going to have it. I need to get mine. And we live in this world and we begin to learn that behavior. I've got to take it. I've got to have it. I've got to beat you. I've got to have more. I need to do But the weak are going to be made strong. Jesus is flipping it around. You know, there's a difference between the world's version of the Beatitudes and, and Jesus. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And the world says, the poor in spirit have nothing. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. The world said, those who mourn are whiners. Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. The world says the meek is going to get trampled. 
Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be, be filled. But the world says those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are radical. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. The world says those who are merciful can't turn their backs or they're going to get hurt. You see, everything's backwards in the kingdom. It's, everything's different. Here's the Christian view of weakness. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians. That is why for Christ's sake I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It's in our weakness that Christ is elevated because he makes us strong. And it's hard to to wrap our minds around that just like it's hard to wrap our minds around Emmanuel God came not to teach us to be strong and to conquer everybody but to serve everybody that way we're elevated in his kingdom it's different the weak are being made strong just differently than what we thought strength is not about what you have it's about who you have verse 4 fear is lost to the truth fear is powerful have you ever noticed when your kids have nightmares, our kids didn't suffer with nightmares, but they've had them. Scares them to death. I had nightmares. You guys probably have had nightmares. Fear's powerful. Roller coasters. Anybody like roller coasters? Man, I love roller coasters. But there's people, when I go to Six Flags, they don't want to ride the roller coasters. They're scared of the roller coasters. Uh, I saw a video not too long ago of a a, a young lady who was doing the slingshot. You ever seen the slingshot thing? They put you in the slingshot in a cage and they pull you back and they let go. You fly out. And she passed out, man. She was screaming, ah! And she was gone. <laughs> like she was scared. Fear is powerful. In my house, you never know when you're going to get scared. It's a thing. Which corner am I going to walk around? I've learned when I scare Teresa, though, <laughs> You gotta be fast because she's walking around the corner and I'm ready and you know it's you know boo <laughs> you missed because her first her first uh, reaction is to swing she's not playing games when it comes to being scared Jesus taught us the difference between fear and being afraid two different things Luke chapter 12 it says I tell you my friends do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more but I will show you whom you should fear fear him who after your body has been killed has authority to throw you into hell fear him the real danger is not physical it's spiritual and in our scripture today Isaiah promises that God is here verse 4 right here on his way to put things right He's on the way. He will save you. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. When Jesus gives peace, there's no longer a reason to be afraid. Afraid of hell, afraid of Satan, afraid of people. Don't be afraid. And then in verses 5 and 6, it talks about physical needs are being met. Now, we're talking about Jesus returning, right? 
And it also happened when he came the first time. This is the cool thing about Advent. And Christmas, we're celebrating his return. In verses 5 and 6, it talk, Isaiah says, when in the kingdom of God, physical needs will be met. Jesus demonstrated this. John the Baptist sent messengers, you guys remember, to question Jesus. Jesus' answer was to point to the physical needs. This is what he said. He replied to the messengers, Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is preached to the poor. It's the kingdom of God. In verse 7, thirsty souls will find living water. Are you seeing how all of these prophecies of Isaiah are coming true have come true or will come true remember the woman at the well in John chapter 4 a Samaritan woman Samaritans they claimed to be the rightful descendants of Israel they had an alternative system of worship a, a different place of worship a different priesthood they said we're the right ones the Jews wouldn't associate with them because the Jews thought that they were Worshiping a false god and also that they were half-breeds So the Samaritan woman she was an outcast not only because she was Samaritan But also because of who she Had become there's no other reason that she would have been at the well in the middle of the day She had an unstable past she had been married five times before she was living with somebody who she wasn't married to despite her past Jesus looked at this woman and he didn't condemn her and send her to a priest. He looked at her and he offered her eternal life through his living water, fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah. The captives of sin in verse 10 are ransom. Because of sin, justice demands satisfaction. We know that. Man, this is, and this is the crux of it. This is the last one. Captives of sin are ransom. We know that because of sin, there is a required ransom by blood sacrifice. Has to be. It's the way it is. Because of sin. So what did God do? What did God, what did he do? He became Emmanuel. Romans chapter 3, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the ones who justified those have faith in Jesus. He presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. In other words, God demonstrated his justice by paying the penalty for our sins. This is crazy. God had set up a, a rule of living, a way to be forgiven for your sins, required a blood sacrifice, and oh, by the way, I'm going to pay that for you. Are you kidding me? God, Emmanuel, met the, the, the need for justice 
by himself for us. Because God is just, sin had to be punished. You can't pay the price with any amount of good works. It's only through the blood of Jesus. This isn't fair to God. As a parent, do you know how many times I hear that's not fair? That's not fair. That's not fair. That's not fair. But how do we teach this kind of justice? That's like me telling them to do the dishes. They don't do the dishes. And I say, okay, I'll do the dishes for you. (laughs) Doesn't fly in my house. That's what God did. He said, hey, there's a punishment for sin. You got to pay this punishment. This punishment, let me rephrase that, has to be paid. And oh, by the way, I'll take care of it for you. Let me get that. So when we think of Emmanuel, we should imagine our lives full of joy. When we think of the Advent season, it should fill us with joy because we know Emmanuel is coming. We are reminded Christ, God is with us right here with you and me. Jesus is coming, both his birth and his return. Everything bad and wrong is going to be made right. All of this upside down world will be turned right. Everything will be set straight. God is going to take care of it and he's going to redeem us. He paid the ransom for us. We have been hijacked by sin. You guys understand being kidnapped. We hear about it. We're hearing about it over in Israel now. Everybody who's been kidnapped. We've been hijacked. We've been kidnapped by sin. And God is paying the ransom by the blood of his son, Jesus. So I would say that today, and I'm gonna, the band's gonna come up and sing a song When we think of Christmas, when we think of Advent, let's not only celebrate and be excited about everything that comes with the birth of a baby Jesus, but look forward with eager anticipation about what's upcoming, about what's next, about his kingdom being restored, about the prophecies fulfilled. And maybe when you get your Christmas gifts this year, Remember that we are the recipients of the greatest gift of all. We have received it. Because God, where Pluto is 16,000 kilometers away from our pea-sized earth, God created that, made himself a baby. Bound by the laws of humanity that he created. Nine months gestation. So he could be with us. So he could show us what it looks like, how we love, and then sacrifice himself. That's pretty cool, don't you think? The greatest gift of all time has been given, and we are recipients. Would you share that with your family during this season? Share that with your friends? Share that with your waiter, your your favorite cashier at Walmart? I don't know. Does anybody go through the cashier's lane anymore? (laughs) I do. 
Let me pray. God, today we're reminded that we have received the greatest gift of all. Your son, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. So when we hear Emmanuel, when we think of Emmanuel, help us to remember who you are and the majesty that you are. You created everything and yet became human. Thank you. Thank you for your sacrifice. And thank you that we get to celebrate Jesus every year at Christmas. It's in your name we pray these things. Amen.